Hey, everybody. This is Jen, your podcast hostess. Welcome to the Shamelessly Feminine Podcast. Today, I am with Polly Alexander, and I'm so excited to be speaking with her. She's a certified master coach, an intuitive healer, and holds a degree in psychology, which is amazing. Um, I wanted to talk to her today um, about clearing money blocks. That tends to be her superpower, which I love. And I know so many of us as women have money blocks. And I think in the current climate of COVID-19 and everything that's going on economically in the world. This is such a good topic to talk about. So welcome to the podcast, Holly. Hi, Jen. Thank you so much for inviting me to be here. It's my pleasure. Uh, Why don't you tell everybody a little bit about you, who you are, maybe a little bit about your journey before we get into all the good stuff? Oh, my gosh. (laughs) I know. It's It's a big question. It's a big question. 25 years. Oh, where shall I start? Did you start when um, you were 10? <laughs> she, by the way, Polly does not, I don't believe you've been doing anything for 25 years. You look very young. Oh and well, thank you. Thank you. Lots of yoga and meditation <laughs> and the zoom filter. We all love right. the zoom. Filter. <laughs> right, right. Helping us all out right now. Um, and good lighting as yes. a photographer, never forget good lighting, right? Correct. All the tricks. No, you're a big champion of. You've done um, your homework. I'm very proud of you. <laughs> yeah, I watched your TED talk actually. I love <laughs> the tips you. you gave in that. It was awesome. Thank you. Um, so yeah, my journey um, around money. I think I just grew up just taking it as granted that money was hard to come by. I was told money doesn't grow on trees. You've got to work hard. Um, never really questioned these things. Um, they were just facts as far as I was concerned. Hmm. Money, money was a bit of a pain. Um, it was to be spent on things like education, not on fun or holidays. Hmm. Um, and it was really, I, I went into a job um, and so my salary was paid. So I didn't really have to think about money. I knew there was never enough. And I always seemed to run out before I got paid, but I pretty much managed to avoid it. And I find this is what happens with a lot of women. It's when you become an entrepreneur that suddenly you're like, oh my gosh, I've got to deal with money. I can't avoid it anymore. I've got to figure out how to ask for it. I've got to figure out what I'm worth. How do I charge for it? I've got to figure out how to manage it, handle it, do my taxes. And I think that's really when it really opened up for me. Um, So my personal development journey started at 19 when I went on a silent meditation retreat. Um, So I was really aware of the power of your mind in completely changing how you perceive the world. Mm. Um, I had a very profound experience on that retreat. And I came off it, literally, even the traffic lights looked brighter. Mm. They were glowing. The colors were amazing. I noticed the birds in the sky and I was just had a very different perception of the world. So, and that had all come from inside me. So I think the seeds were sown then, but then I went back to my, my early twenties life (laughs) of partying and, you know, carrying on. I started working in fashion in London after my psychology degree. Um, Photography was always a passion for me. And so when I was in my late twenties, I left my corporate job um, to pursue my passion of being a photographer. So um, it was amazing to be doing what I loved, really, really loved it. I found my niche, which was weddings. Um, didn't expect that, but I, it really fit me well, and I enjoyed it a huge amount. Um, but it was a real challenge asking for money, raising my rates, having to justify my prices, and all my blocks came to the surface. And it was about um, – well, I, my kind of story I told myself as a photographer – 
um, and I don't know if you've ever experienced this, but it was like, I'm lucky to be doing what I love. Therefore, I sacrifice the income. Mm-hmm. So that was the story because I used to see friends in law and in banking and I used to see them making so much money, but they had no life. Their holidays would get canceled. They'd be working late nights. They were always tired and stressed. And so my story was, you broke free. <laughs> you broke free. You know, you're following your passion, you're doing what you love. And I kind of took it as granted that I'd have an average income um, because that was the price you paid. And at the time I was sharing my life with my partner. I managed to buy my dream home on the island of Ibiza. We moved out here and I just thought, wow, this is as good as it gets. Like, this is the dream. Um, And then everything started to fall apart for me. And so this is when my journey into mindset and into money really began on a much deeper level. Mm. Um, Within six months of moving out here, um, my mother died very suddenly. She was diagnosed with cancer one day, died in the afternoon. That Mm. was very, very sudden. And then my father got cancer three months later. Um, I had literally... Got married, my husband walked out right after and ended up in hospital as well. So I just had this huge stripping away. My dog died, my cat died. Over the space of a couple of years, everything got stripped away. Mm. So it was, uh, I'd gone from being on top of the world and thinking I'm living the dream to suddenly losing the dream. And navigating my way through that time was really tough. Um, on lots of levels, you know, emotionally, on a practical level, on a financial level. And not surprisingly, my uh, photography business got hit. Um, I felt like I had so much to deal with and so much to sort out. And I ended up hiring a coach to help me sort of navigate through it. And that led me to uncovering the concept of a money mindset. And what I believe still to this day is that the money is a mirror to what's going on inside us. Mm. And so by looking at what was going on with my relationship with money, with my income, with my business, it basically prompted a big inner healing for me. Mm. It prompted me to look at things um, in a much deeper way to address the beliefs and the patterns and the programs I was running um, and became a spiritual journey. So what started out to like, how do I pay the bills? How do I pay the mortgage on my own? And how do I survive turned into a much deeper dialogue around what's possible for me? What am I worth? Mm. What am I really here for? Um, And how do I heal my relationship with money? And a part of me knew it didn't have to be that difficult. Mm -hmm. Um, And I started seeing role models and started seeing people um, doing things differently. Mm -hmm. And slowly, bit by bit, I was able to follow that. Um, Started first with coaching. Um, I was adamant I wouldn't become a coach. I was a photographer (laughs) and I clung onto that I loved it mm. and I my my during my coaching training which I'd really just done to improve my photography business because I was applying the things I learned the success principles you know the cha- how to look at your money mindset I was applying all of that to my business and my business picks back up again I rebranded I fell back up in love with my photography business 
And then I got commissioned by Martha Stewart magazine in the US um, to shoot for them. I got the cover of Martha Stewart Weddings, which I've been wanting for nine years. Mm, yeah. And it had eluded me. But when I started doing the inner work, suddenly um, the outside world started mirroring back those opportunities I'd been chasing for so long. Mm. Um, I, so I sort of had a resurgence in my photography business, mm. um, which was amazing. And the coaching kept knocking, the coaching kept knocking. Yeah. <laughs> As it does when something's meant for us, I feel, you know, I really believe that we don't miss any opportunities. If we say no first time, they circle back round. Yeah, yeah. I love oh, you know, they'll keep knocking. Yeah, until you answer, right? I, I love your story and I it's so amazing because I just had a conversation this morning with a friend about art and the cost of art. And, um, you know, obviously we're in very strange times right now. I'm not shooting right now because my studio is closed. So I've had to find other ways to bring in some income and, you know, in between taking care of my children and, you know, keeping the house and doing all the things. Um, and I started selling some of my own art that has nothing to do with photography, but, uh, paintings and, um, you know, Sorry, I'm not sure if you can hear the dog barking, but he's barking like crazy. Um, <laughs> Very well. That, that's the other thing. The dogs are barking like crazy now because everybody's walking outside all the time. So my dog is always barking now. I'm like, be quiet. Your anyway, dog is walking out the lockdown. Yes. He's loving it. Yes. Um, so what I was going to say was I've been selling some of my own art. And, you know, I think as an artist in particular, it's so difficult to price your own art because it is sort of putting a value on your self-worth. And, you know, it's not just about what can the market handle or what is somebody willing to pay. It's about being able to say, well, this is what I think that I, you know, my time is worth and my energy is worth and my vision is worth. And, and you have to believe that you have talent you have to believe that you're worth it. And it's so difficult as an artist. And listen, I, you know, for all intents and purposes, I've made it in the photography world and I still struggle with it in some ways because, you know, I, I, I think we all have a fear of somebody saying, no, I don't want to pay that. You're not worth that because we take it very personally. You know, I, I come from um, a drawing background, but nobody that I, even people that I love have never seen my drawings in that way because I, it's like standing outside naked. You know, it's like everybody sees everything about you. And if they say, well, I don't really like that, then they're going for you. It's not about the artwork. That's how we perceive it at least. Right. So, yeah. Yeah so, I, area. yeah, so I think for creatives, this is an especially difficult place to be and especially difficult right now when most of us are not working and we need to figure out what we're going to do and what our value is. And, you know, it's such an interesting time right now because similar to what you went through with the trauma in your life, we're going through a trauma right now. And a lot of us are just kind of having our, the rug ripped out right from under us, no matter how successful you were last month or last year, or the last 10 years, it means zero right now, right? Yeah. So, so, how, so, so I have a lot of questions about this because I do believe I have a money mindset issue. I've always said that. Um, and, you know, in some ways it has changed over the years. I used to believe so much more. Like I used to joke that money does grow on trees and you can just go out in your backyard and shake the tree and the money will fall off. And then I try, and then I'm trying to raise my children to understand the value of a dollar. So when they ask me for something extravagant, I say, you know, it's a lot of money. 
you know, you need to think about that. And I worry that I'm planting the seed in their head that the money is, is not abundant. So how do you recognize if you have a money mindset issue in the first place? Yeah. Yeah. I think it's firstly, um, yeah, there's a few symptoms we can diagnose here. I think the first thing is whether you're making the money that you truly desire to live the life you want to. So what makes one person abundant could be 50K a year and working two days a week. What makes someone else abundant could be a minimum of a million and they don't feel abundant if they're only doing 700K. So I think it's first of all defining what is an abundant life to you and then looking at what amount of money does that require to create those experiences, Mm. the environment you want to exist in. Um, And so... I always invite people to start to look at what is a life that really lights you up and then what are the resources required to create that? Um, Because money is just one part of abundance, um, but it does buy a huge amount of freedom and it buys choices. Mm -hmm. Um, And it can be easy to deny that. Yeah, so speaking of that, people always say, oh, the more money you make doesn't mean that you're going to be happier. What do you think about it when people say that? Um, I disagree. I don't think money makes you happy per se, but the freedom money buys does. The opportunity to travel, to take courses, to explore the world, to train things that light you up, that takes resources. Mm. And um, money, when also when used intelligently, can create security. Um, So in times like this, when we have been managing our money or we've been... um, good custodians of money, shall we say, mm-hmm. um, then money is there to support us, especially when you're a freelance or entrepreneur. Mm-hmm. Uh, for many years, I lived on a, like a month to month basis and I would have literally been like out on the streets right now. Mm-hmm. Um, and ju- re- especially since I've been doing the money mindset work in more intense way, the last sort of five, five years or so, mm-hmm. three to five years, um, I've now learned not to spend all my money and take myself on that roller coaster ride of like, it always came in at the 11th hour, but the stress and the anxiety I put myself through. Because mm-hmm. the truth is that we're always safe and protected um, and provided for, we're, but that comes from spirit and that comes from trusting that. But we as humans on a personality level put ourselves through some serious tests. And I used to always test myself, be like, I don't have the money to pay my tax bill next week. So I'll have to jump through hoops. I'll have to pull off miracles. And I would always manage it, but I would be left drained and exhausted and emotionally burned out from putting myself through so many tests. Yeah. And it's the kind of thing you do over and over and you say, "Uh, why am I doing this to myself? (laughs) Right? Yeah. And I wasn't even aware for many years. I was just like, oh, it's just like it is. No one has money to pay their tax. Mm. That was like, we're creatives. That was the kind of some text I wasn't really aware. Oh, everybody's like this. All There's also friends. sort of that, that mindset of that you can't be creative and a good business person. Like I think yeah. as creatives, we're taught that and we believe that. Yeah, totally. And I feel that a lot of creatives under, um, under aim, if you like. Yes. They don't think it's enough. They're yeah. like, oh, no, like my excuse. You know, I'm okay yeah, I'm just with so this. happy doing what I do. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So lucky to get to do what I do. Yeah. Yeah. So 
So, and this is just doesn't apply to creatives. This applies to everybody, but I just relate to it in the creative way, which is why I'm talking about it. So when we're talking about a more general sense, not just creatives, but everybody, is it important to identify exactly what the money block is? In other words, to go back, let's say to your childhood and, you know, the things that your parents said to you, or is it just enough to say, you know what, I know I have a money block and I want to just change my mindset. Yeah. Um, the deep dive is essential. Um, once you've identified, I want to have more money or I want to be less stressed about money Mm. or I'm fed up with being in fear and anxiety around money, you get clear on, well, what do I want? What, what amount of money? Because ultimately no amount of money is actually going to take the fear and anxiety away. Mm -hmm. Um, I know people who are so wealthy whose, um, money has dropped, right? Their investments dropped or they have a bad day on the stock market. And I've seen them in like poverty consciousness. I've seen them order the inexpensive dish on the menu. Their wealth is a hundred times mine and I'm having what I want, but I've seen them be in that space. And a lot of the time they've come from um, quite humble beginnings. Mm. And so because that mindset's still there, it doesn't matter how much money you put on top, it can get triggered easily. Mm. Um, So going... Yeah, I was sorry. I was just going to say, I also think in my generation, I'm going to be 45 this year. So I think in my generation, our parents were children of the Great Depression and they learned a different sort of money mindset than we did. So like I know for me, my parents are thankfully very successful, but have a very different perception of money than I do um, because I was raised differently than they are. Even though I do believe I have a money mindset issue, my money mindset issue is different than theirs. They don't necessarily splurge on certain things that I would splurge on. Same thing like you were saying. And I remember even growing up, one of my family members saying that he doesn't play the lottery. He, He doesn't want to play the lottery. And I would remember being as a kid, like, why wouldn't you want all that money? And he would say, well, more money, more problems. And like, it's those little things, right? That get ingrained in us that like, is that really true? Because right now more money would be more comfort, (laughs) more security. Right, right. It's so interesting. So I think going back to the root is really important. As you said, um, we come in in our DNA with eyes, nose, mouth, looking like our parents in some way a lot Mm. of the time. And it's the same with the belief systems. We come in inheriting their stuff with, before we've even started, we've got a bunch of stuff we're not aware of. My parents um, went through wars. They grew up, my mum, my mum was born during a war. So she was in the air raid shelters when her mother was pregnant with her. Mm-hmm. So she, my mother lived with a lot of fear her whole life. Mm. Um, and now you put the story together, you can see well, she was born into a climate of fear. She absorbed the energy of fear. Mm-hmm. and was never able to fully heal that in her lifetime. Yeah, that's um, amazing. So the family patterns are huge, whether it's, um, so if there's been conflicts, often falling outs in the family, that's a big one. So that um, siblings fall out over inheritances, very common. I come across that a lot. Um, there can be a favoured child that gets more support in the family than other ones. Um, it can be the feeling that you shouldn't spend money. So parents die wealthy, but they didn't live an abundant life. Right, right. <laughs> they were taught to hold on to it, don't spend it because of the depression, because of the war, because of perhaps financial loss in the family. Um, and that's just- something important to know because it's something that we can certainly perpetrate right now, right? I mean, my kids hear us talking about the financial help that we're trying to get from the government or, you know, the fears about us being out of work. Or I've said to my kids, listen, we're not shopping for frivolous things right now. We're just not, we're buying food and we're paying our bills and that's it. Like right now, don't ask me for 
$200 sneakers. It's not happening at the moment. And I'm not, you know, I try to, I'm trying to educate them and not scare them, but they need to understand that we're living in a different time right now. And this might even affect them and it might affect us going forward. We might not spend as much, you know, I joked that I went to the butcher, you know, there's this, this meat shortage now. So I panicked, I bought a freezer and I went to the butcher and I stocked up on a bunch of meat and I, re- and I, I paid, I don't know, I bought, a, I made a few different trips. On one of the trips, I paid 200 something dollars for a whole bunch of meat. And there was part of me that's like, wow, okay, that's a lot of money. $200 is good money. But where I live is such an expensive area that you could go out to dinner one night and spend $200 easy on any given night. So it makes you think like, wait a minute, I'm going out all these times and spending $200. That's before the babysitter, before, you know, before the drinks, all that stuff. But I can go and buy like two weeks worth of food for my family for $200. You know, that's interesting. And it makes you really start looking at things a little bit differently. So I wonder if it's going to change. Part of me wonders if it's going to change us. The other part of me says, when they start opening restaurants, we're going to be out of here. I'm like, please take me out to dinner because I can't stand cooking another night. But, you know, it's just it's just very interesting the, the different way we look at money going through something like this also and how it's going to affect us and our children going forward. Definitely. Absolutely. I think we're all on a big spiritual journey right now. And there's a huge amount of opportunity because all of the things we relied on, oh, it's okay. Like I can always get work as a photographer. I've just got to market myself better, you know, insert whatever your profession is. I've just got to learn how to do sales. I've got to learn how to do marketing. I've got to rebrand. There were always these reasons and solutions, but something as, as global as this with such a huge contraction in the economy um, and such a huge collective fear, I think it's just a huge, huge, like you've got to dig deep right now because the whole world is saying there's not enough. That is the collective mission. There's not enough. You're in danger. It's triggering all of our primal fears of like, will I survive? Oh my gosh. What am I, I mean, what if we run out of food? And this happens on a primal level as well as a conscious level, but it's like, will I survive? How am I going to be safe? you know, can I te- protect my family? This is all being triggered. So I see it as an opportunity to dig even deeper. This stuff is there for us to work with anyway. Now it's like someone's put a giant torch on it and it's like, it's been magnified a hundred yeah. times. So I think one of the opportunities right now is to do the inner work and surrender to that and go, oh my gosh, I'm getting triggered here. Mm. Whew, okay, I wasn't planning on taking this class. <laughs> That's like, I was going to do that, you know, sometime in the future. Mm. But you know what? You, I think leaning into it will come out stronger from the other side because if we're willing to go into the inner work. And I think some people are going into denial and blame and blaming the world. And I think we all have an opportunity to, to do what we can, identify the opportunities right now, identify how we can pivot in our business or what we can offer to keep the income flow. And I think the other opportunity is to surrender and say, you know what, this is really tough. I'm getting really triggered. Um, how, what beliefs can I form? What can I, um, where's that part of me that knows everything is going to be okay? How can I connect to that? Where does it come from? Yeah. And what can I do each day to strengthen that faith and trust? Because on a soul level, we, we chose this, you and me and everyone listening, all your listeners, we were like, hey, give me a global pandemic because I want to grow and learn. You know, it's so funny because I believe that. Like, I believe that there's a lot, I'm seeing a lot of, I don't know how to explain this without sounding like a total kook, but like a lot of things lining up where people were like, well, I didn't really want to go do that thing in 
in June, I'm really happy it's canceled or I didn't want to, you know, there's a lot of like, almost like we, as a, as a world, we've been sort of sending the signals, like there's things that we're doing that we don't want to be doing, or there's things that are out of alignment and we need a readjustment. And then all of a sudden this happened. And yes, there's certainly things also we were all looking forward to that aren't going to happen. That's very upsetting, but I don't know. I'm seeing more of the other, <laughs> you know, like I'm seeing a lot of like, Oh, this is, we needed this readjustment. And, um, I keep saying whenever somebody says to me, you know, I I'm panicking. I don't know if we're going to be okay. My answer always is, of course you're going to be okay. There's no other option. There's no other option. You have a decision to make. And it's the same thing. You know, like I said, I've been selling my art this week. I've been sitting on some of this artwork for two years because I was too afraid to show it to people to see if they liked it or not. And now I'm going, okay, you know what? I need to make some money. So I'll put it out there. If people want it, they want it. If they don't, they don't. And it's doing well. It was just I was storing for the right time, you know? Um, Incredible. It took a global pandemic to launch your art. <laughs> Isn't that funny? But I, I think the point is that anytime I have this moment of panic, like today even, I was really having a, a panic moment this morning. I was talking to a friend yesterday who works at Google that was like, I'm not going back into the office until at least 2021. You know, when you really start thinking about that this could last a year, are people even going to want to come in for photography? Are my kids ever going to go back to school? Am I going to be able to get out of the house and go back to work? When you start thinking about all those things piling up, it makes you very anxious. And, and I keep saying to myself, it's okay, it's going to work. Or one of the other things I keep saying to myself is the people that have money still have money. The people that have money still have money. Meaning that, you know, I don't want to be afraid about worrying about selling my art. The people that have money will still buy it. The people that want to have sessions will still come have sessions because they'll still have the money to do it. And, you know, if somebody wants something badly enough, they'll find the money. That's, that's a thing. So I'm also like actively trying to change my mindset in the moment when I feel that panic come up. I go, no, it's okay. There's no other option. We're going to be okay. There's no other option. I'm gonna, if I have to work at McDonald's, I'll work at McDonald's. Like, I'm, you know, it doesn't matter what's going to happen. We're going to be okay. And, and uh, you know, just hopefully it doesn't get to that point. I need to put that out in the universe. But I'm just saying I'll, I'll find a way. I found a way before. And as an entrepreneur, you build a business once. You build it twice. You're always readjusting. You know that from the wedding business. Or you're always readjusting your business. And I just look at this as an extended readjustment. Yeah, I love that perspective. Um, and one of the questions, if I can build upon your what if, then we naturally go into the spiral because we, you know, we have to look out as human beings, we're hardwired to look for danger. Mm. So we automatically go into what if we run out of food? What if my kids aren't okay? What if someone in my family gets sick? These are like human survival things. They're going to come up for everyone. So just knowing that that's like part of how we're wired. And I always say, instead of saying, what if that, flip it around or what if... Um, I grew, I grew and became even more successful as a result of this. What if my health got better? What if this was just the rest I needed? Like the things you're saying, what if I'm so grateful for the new things I did during this time? Which what life teaches us that. Life te I mean, when I went through my breast cancer journey, I was terrified of losing my business. I was terrified of what was going to happen. Am I going to be healthy enough to work? Am I going to, you know, and I, I ended up becoming more successful because of it, even though I'm not like, yeah, yeah, I got breast cancer. I'm so successful. You know, the point is it opened up new doors for me. It, it changed my perspective on some things and it brought new projects to me and it brought a new community to me. And it was things I needed that, you know, I wish I hadn't had to go through cancer for, but I I've learned through 
life's traumas that there is always beauty on the other side. I think right now where people are struggling is they don't know where the other side is. And that's so frustrating. You know, when you go through cancer, they say, okay, your chemotherapy is done December 27th. Okay. So December 28th, I can start putting my life back together in theory, you know, or, um, but, but certain traumas like this or like mourning, you don't really know when the end is. So it makes it a little bit more difficult to say, well, I'm going to be okay in the end. And then we go, well, wait, when's the end? And that's another sort of spiral, right? Um, yeah. Yeah. And so this is just, there are no answers right now. There's nobody that can reassure us. So it's really um, an opportunity to cultivate that inner connection because we're, we're eternal. I know we feel like we only have a short time here. We're very vulnerable and we've got to save and protect it um, because if we die, it's like dead. But ultimately on a soul level, we, we're coming here having this intense experience to grow and evolve. And so I find that when I lean into that perspective, this is one of many experiences I've had. It's all working out perfectly. Then I get a more chilled. I'm like, it's okay. No, you don't know where money's going to come from next month. But you're resilient. You bounced back before. You've overcome trauma before. And you're loved and supported by spirit. You're where you're supposed to be. So keep leaning into that and don't worry about the detail. Mm. Um, and I think as you, as you just shared, when you've overcome something, it builds an inner resilience and strength. Mm and an optimism that's really in the core of you. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Yeah. And I think that that surrendering right now is so important for our emotional health, for our monetary health, for everything, you know, everything that we do that surrendering is something I'm really, really, really grateful for that I've learned over the years, because I do find in this moment, I have a lot of friends saying to me that they're spending a lot of time crying and panicking and I feel for them, I'm not feeling that. And I don't know why. Sometimes I'm like, I'm way too peaceful for what is happening in the world right now. And, (laughs) you know, I'm like, am I in denial? I'm, you know, like what's happening where, but I really don't believe. So I really do believe that it's a surrender of right now I'm in my house. I can't control what's going on outside. I just need to ride the wave. And when the wave is over, we'll see what's there you know, then, then we'll worry and then we'll, you know, put it back together and we'll figure it out. But, um, that surrendering is so important. Yeah. It's one of the hardest things to do. Um, have you read the surrender experiment? No. Oh my gosh. It's incredible. Yeah. Um, I had a guy that, um, I can't remember his name, but if you, you'll find it under that title. And he basically, just decided to surrender to what life brought him. Mm. He became, he created like a a billion dollar company Mm -hmm. by just surrendering. And he he tells his life story. Michael Singer is his name. That's it. That's it. Incredible book. And it just took me into the, we think of surrender as giving up or letting go, you know, giving up a lot of the time. Oh, you've given up. Don't surrender. You've given up. You can fight this. You can get through it. Like, don't surrender. Yeah. But actually, that type of surrender is a power. It's an acceptance. And when we accept what is, okay, this is like it is. I might not choose it. I might prefer it different, but it is what it is. And then the pain goes. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, well, <laughs> it's like someone lifted a weight off your shoulders. Mm-hmm. And he teaches you to just respond to what, in the moment, keep surrendering, keep saying yes to whatever comes. 
and so much opens up in his journey. It was incredibly mm. inspiring. That's and so I think we think this shouldn't be happening. This is wrong. This is wrong. But what if it was absolutely right? Mm. Right. What if you were supposed to be sharing your art with the world? And yeah. that's one of the most magical things to come out of this. Yeah. It's, you don't know. You just don't know until you know. <laughs> until um, you know. So yeah, surrender is something that I'm on the journey of trying to accept more and more. Um, naturally, sort of want to control things, and I had a lot of success through control. So that's a money can be a money block as well. Yeah. So I learned I was brought up by a very controlling father, and then I became successful by controlling everything. Mm. And as it's hard to embrace that balance of control and surrender to be able to direct my business and lead my team, but actually also have that ability to be soft and open and let go. I guess it's the masculine feminine. I was just going to say it's the masculine feminine. And and in this day and age, I think we're leaning so much more toward the feminine and changing things toward the feminine point of view. And I don't mean that necessarily even in a feminist way. I'm just saying that there's different methods. And the masculine method right now, I think, is sort of out of fashion, right? So we're, we're, I'm trying to put this in a politically correct way. So, you know, we're, we're embracing more of the feminine, the fluidity, the ups and the downs, the, uh, you know, the changes of energy and just trying things a different way. Totally. And you brought me on to actually one of the biggest money blocks, uh, which I do see in women is that inability to receive. Mm, What do you mean by that? Um, so to actually receive money, so people say, oh, I want more, but then they will do things on a very simple level, like refusing compliments, refusing gifts. Um, someone wants to pay for a drink. No, 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 no. I've got to get it. Mm-hmm. That pride gets in the way. Um, not allowing in support. So it could be from a man, but it could also be from other sources and just not being being very proud and closed, maybe because you never learned as a child to receive. Mm. Or your mother was like a strong woman, independent, like survived on her own, single parent. There's different dynamics there. But you saw, you unconsciously see receiving as weakness. Mm. I'll be dependent, so then I'll be weak. And the receiving, being able to be in that feminine energy is needed for money to flow in, for support, for opportunities, for gifts, for abundance. Mm. And when we're very blocking it makes it difficult for money to come into us so we can be blocking it it wants to come in but Mm. we're like no I'll do it on my own it's such a good point it's such a good point it's even I find even just to support women to say oh I'll go to the store and get you what you need and they go no 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 it's okay I'll do it myself why why I'm happy to do it for you it makes me feel good it makes you feel good it's you know it's it's a nice exchange of energy yeah what what are other I'm sorry, go ahead. No, please go ahead. I was just going to say, are there any other main money blocks that people should look out for? Yeah, absolutely. Um, So visibility is one, um, especially with entrepreneurs. So I find that where they're not making the money they would like to, there's usually a visibility issue. Mm -hmm. They're usually not sharing their gifts um, with the world or they're, they're putting it out and retreating, putting it out and retreating. Um, I work with a lot of spiritual entrepreneurs mm-hmm. uh, and creative entrepreneurs, and those two groups in particular um, have a lot of fear of judgment. So we touched on that earlier. What will people think of my work? 
um, you know, what if they don't like it? It's going to be like a dagger to my heart. And I had to work on this with my photography to be able mm-hmm. to elevate to that next level mm-hmm. because it was like my creative work was me. Mm-hmm. So yeah. if you rejected that, you rejected me. That's right. And so I had to do belief work around being detached. Those are my products, they're creations from me. They're not me. And I had to be able to do that separation. And when I was able to do that, um, and know that some people wouldn't resonate with my work and they wouldn't like it and they wouldn't feel it and that's okay. And some people really would. Mm. And so that's one area of visibility. Then there's also the fear of judgment. So if you're sharing a message that's perhaps not mainstream mm-hmm. or perhaps it's something sensitive to people that they'd rather not think about or address, that's also um People have a lot of fear of being judged or ostracized from their family or what their friends will think Mm. um, or of negative backlash on social media. So that fear of being visible, if people can't, it's basically to say money can't find you if it can't see you. That's right. If you're not visible, you're going to have a money issue because money can't see you to get to you. Mm. Um, Money comes through other people. So they have to be able to find you so the channels can come to you. Um, they're not the source, but they're the channel that money right. comes through. That's such a good point. I never really thought about it that way. Such a good point. Mm-hmm. I love so um, other blocks, we talked a bit on and off about self-worth. Um, so a lot of women have inherited their mother's low self-worth. I've seen this so much in, in people I've worked with. Mm-hmm. Um, typically, women were not independent or empowered Mm. going back even one generation two three four and when you get to three generations back they basically had no financial power right they They had no power at all they couldn't even you know like here they couldn't even vote (laughs) exactly so and we're only talking like a hundred years yeah Yeah. and so we've inherited that in our dna that lineage of disempowered women Mm. and so often i'm working with someone i'm shown um, because I do intuitive work so I can mm-hmm. read the, the money block. So I went from coaching to then healing and opening up another layer of the work. And um, of, a lot of times it won't be their stuff that people are carrying. It's the, it's the female stuff from society mm-hmm. and from the female genetic line. Mm-hmm. Um, so all sorts of things around, you know, it'll, I can't have a man and money. I can't have love and money. That's a huge one. Mm. So you'll see women with very successful relationships not making money. Mm. Or I had the opposite, making lots of money, not manifesting a relationship. Mm. Um, and so we can often think, well, I can't have it all. And I've got like a lovely husband and children. So that's enough. Yeah. You know, I can't have the money as well. We have these, these rules. Um, and somehow like money's a man's work. That's another piece that falls into the feminine money wound as I call it it's like well that's a man's job Mm. Um, oh that's his job Uh, so I won't really you know I don't need it or I don't need to look at it because it's boring and difficult so it serves me to believe it's a man's work because then I don't have to go to that uncomfortable place Mm. Um, and then I think that our connection with God or the creator or spirit or the universe whatever you call that sense of a higher power something bigger than you Um, I feel that having a strong connection to source energy or to God is essential um, for your relationship with money. Mm. Um, So, for example, at the moment, believing that you will be taken care of, um, even though you don't know exactly where money is going to come from. 
And the only, no one can give us that reassurance. Mm-hmm. The economy can't, the governments can't, parents can't, you know, people, nobody can say it's going to be okay in three months' time and everything will go back to normal. Mm-hmm. So this is a really extreme version of the dialogue that goes on normally. Um, but we really can't say everything's going to be okay. And so it's that connection, I feel, that enables us to feel safe. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And feel that somehow, we might not know how, but somehow we're going to have enough food, we're going to have shelter, and we're going to be okay, even though we don't know exactly how. Yeah. Um, and I've noticed that as I support people to strengthen that connection and to release any blocks, like I don't deserve God's support or you know, I was forced to go to church and I'm a sinner or like, it's not even a religious thing, but it's not, I find it's not even a religious thing. It's just, it's not about religion. You could be any religion. You could not believe in religion. You can, you know, anything, but you can still have a connection to a higher power or the universe or something. What I find though is that um, often where people have had some kind of strict religious upbringing, it's damaged their trust in yes, God because it, it feels it. like they have to jump through hoops or have to be a certain person or right. they've done wrong things so they don't deserve money. Yeah. They've made mistakes so they don't deserve money. They should be a certain kind of person to be worthy or they should give all their money away. Right. So, you know, charity is more important. Supporting others is more important than yourself. And so you end up in that almost martyr selfless Mm. place where you can't hold on to money because you'd always give it away because it makes you feel guilty or selfish to hold on to it right yeah because it should be given away so that's more of a block around being able to hold on to money Mm -hmm. and feeling worthy of of spending it as well um and then just scarcity i was brought up with this this idea there's just not enough money to go around I'm working on this for decades, mm. different layers, different layers. And every time I want to raise my income um, or raise perhaps my experience of life in the home that I own or the travel that I do or the way that I live my lifestyle or the self-care I can receive, I've had to bust through another layer of this scarcity. Mm. Um, I was once told by a shaman, my purpose in this lifetime is to heal my family's deep-seated patterns of scarcity, which I thought was the uncoolest thing. That is really... I was like, oh, man. How did you know? (laughs) This has actually predated me doing all this. Wow. It was like, I was like, oh, that sucks. That sounds like a really heavy, like, (laughs) purpose. I actually went to it when I was on honeymoon and my new husband was told he was just here to play and have fun. That's a soul. Oh, it's like, damn, and I'm here to do this thing. Like, that's not fair. <laughs> I was like, how come you got the really good like, what did you did last lifetime to get this? And I got the sucky one. But I think, that's hilarious. <laughs> I love it. I think um, I think one of the greatest journeys of healing your relationship with money and growing your income as a woman is actually that it's about your power and that it's mm. about you stepping more and more into your self-responsibility and into self-empowerment. Yeah, that's such a great point. And um, I really appreciate you giving us all that information. So much of it hits home for me, and I'm sure it will for everybody that's listening. Um, For people that want to know where to find you and more about you, where can they connect with you? Yeah. Um, So as I mentioned, I do a lot of deep subconscious work. So this addresses money blocks. We're not even 
realizing we have. Mm-hmm. So it's really powerful to go into the dialogue and start to uncover things. And at the same time, there's going to be stuff that we've inherited, which we're not consciously aware of. So I've created a success meditation that goes into some of the blocks that stop us rising and expanding. And that's at moneybeautifully.com forward slash podcast. So you can sign up for it there. Um, on social media, I'm an Instagrammer. Yay, me too. That's my the photographer in you, right? <laughs> exactly. Once a photographer, always a photographer. I love creating beautiful imagery. I'm um, looking for you on there as we speak. So, yeah, that would be a great place to start. Great. I found you. I'm following you. Um, Perfect. And we'll have all the links in the show notes. So if you guys enjoy this podcast, please share it with somebody that you love that you think will enjoy it as well. I hope everybody out there is staying safe. Polly, thank you so much for joining us. You're amazing. And I look forward to connecting again in the future. Thank you so much, Jen. It's been awesome being here. All the best.